This podcast is part of E2C Network, where we share the whole Auburn experience. Where you go, Auburn fans? Welcome to No Huddle, your source for Auburn football news and discussion, part of the E2C Network. I'm AJ Richardson, and I'm also here with Jared Davis. We've taken a little bit of hiatus. Jared, how you doing? Uh, now coming back, spring ball's here. It is practice time, and A-Day is just right around the corner. How you doing? How have you been holding up over the last uh, what few weeks that we've not been able to get on and uh, do a podcast together? I'm good, man. I've missed you, AJ. Aw, uh, thanks. <laughs> miss you too. Uh, thank you, thank you. One thing I've not missed is pollen, and I'm already seeing pollen on my car, so um, that that's not good. But uh, not not real good for uh, uh, summer projections on what the heat's going to be down here in the south. But uh, yeah. yeah, all in all, doing well. Uh, excited to you know have the players get back out there and get Hugh Freeze get him a chance to see all the players live. And uh, yeah, so we got some got some good things to talk about. Yeah, and. and- over the last couple of months, there has been a lot of recruiting being done. Um, and my goodness, like you can tell that this recruiting staff just cares about recruiting. So um, as as we're going to see, there's going to be more and more guys that probably we didn't think we ever had a shot at and he freeze and his staff bring in because it's already happening. Um, so that's that's really exciting to you know, see what what a difference Hugh freeze is making um, compared to the last, uh, you know, last staff and, you know, how, how much more exciting, you know, bring in real top level talent to get really Auburn back to what it needs to be, um, in the recruiting realm. Uh, but we're also going to be talking about today, the spring practice, you know, the first week of spring practice has already happened. Uh, probably when you're listening to this, the, uh, students will be on spring break and there will not be practice March 6th through 10th. But we already have a full week of practice in there. Uh, the Hugh Freeze, all the coaching staff have uh, been able to watch and view you know, these players really for the first time. A lot of them, them you know, besides uh, you know, pretty much Caddy and Zach Etheridge, they're brand new coaches. So this is their first real time to, to see them. Um, I've heard that you know Freeze was getting kind of reports from like the you know, workout staff and that kind of stuff, but you know, that's only so much like he, Hugh freeze is very much a, I want to see it with my own two, not two eyes, um, before he makes any judgments or, you know, decisions about things. So really excited to kind of see what, uh, we, we start, what starts coming out of spring practice. Uh, some of the little stuff, um, Jared, and we can start talking about this is, you know, the quarterback battle. Um, what's kind of your thoughts on, on where we're at with spring practice, uh, with the quarterback battle? Um, I don't know, man. I really don't. I, you know, I've heard some people come out and say that, you know, Holden is not looked good. And then I've heard other people say he's had some good practices, so he might really push for the job. Um, I read a, <coughs> excuse me, I saw a headline that said an analyst thinks that he could win the job, but I didn't read the article. Hmm. Um, I mean, I would think at the end of the day, it's probably Robbie's to lose with the current players right now. Um, that TJ is just a weird case. I mean, I've heard people say that the only reason he's out there is because he is trying to graduate so he can transfer and he's on scholarship. So he has to go through the motions. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. I still feel like that seems, if that was true, I don't think the coaches would let him out there. 
Uh, right. I think there has to be some chance. Now, it may be 50-50, but there has to be some chance that he's staying at Auburn, right? Like, you don't let a guy go out there and practice yeah. with the team and take reps. Well, well, that that would be taking reps from a potential, like a true potential yeah. new quarterback. Like, I don't, I don't think Hugh's going to do that. Now, that is kind of like the narrative that I keep hearing, and maybe rightly so. But this is a brand new coaching staff, and I mean, <laughs> Hugh Freeze has you know come out and said it. You know, this quarterback room has a lot of places that they need to grow and mature in, and you know, probably rightly so. You know, Holden only played what like five plays last year it feels like and then tj you know started the season then lost it you know got injured robbie had to come in robbie did what robbie had to do we won a handful of games under him it's like like there's not a clear like this is the guy um and and spring practice is a time to just you know for these players to help the coaches see i can do it i can do you know the things that they're looking for the small things that will lead to, you know, putting in, you know, the ball, pushing the ball down the field for an offense or from a defensive perspective, you know, making the right read on the ball and, you know, jumping around or whatever. And, and so there's so much things that kind of go into like the spring where it's like these coaches, again, they're seeing these players for really the true, truly their first time. They're taking it all in. And I'm sure this is a great time to figure out who's who and what's kind of, you know, pecking order a little bit, um, at least hopefully by the time, you know, A-Day rolls around, they have an idea of, you know, some sort of depth chart uh, so that, you know, some of these guys, I mean, it's just inevitable with the transfer portal. Uh, some of these guys, if they're they're not at where they want to be, they're probably going to throw their name in the transfer portal. And uh, that's just kind of the nature of where we're at. And it's unfortunate, but, you know, those are the rules of the of procedure, at least at this point. Yeah, uh, I mean, I you know, I think um, so. Holden is a wild card, uh, and there's many. Harson had many flaws. Most, the biggest one was probably just not understanding how important recruiting was. But however, he said on many occasions, uh, he basically was gushing over Holden, and I do think that Harson did understand quarterbacks. Like I, think I think that, so too. I think he did a good enough job at Boise. Um, the Zach kid that is the quarterback for the Jets right now that played at BYU was committed to Boise. So like Harson, you know, found him. Um, he went with BYU at the end, but you know, so I think Harson understands quarterbacks. I don't think he would go. I don't think Harson's so bad at his job that he would gush over a kid that was terrible. Mm -hmm. And, and I mean, he, he's on a recording telling Pete Carroll when we were hiring that coach, we hired from them for a week. Um, he said that Holden is going to be uh, All-American. Wow. So, I, I mean, again, is that going to be at Auburn? I don't know. Can he develop quick enough? I don't know. Yeah. But um, And even last year when people were reporting of the quarterbacks, they were like, listen, Holden is the most accurate <laughs> mm -hmm. at practice. And that was scaring people because, right. you know, we're like, oh, true freshman. Um, you know, TJ ultimately won out because he, he knew the playbook better. And TJ, honestly, is just inconsistent, but he has a super strong arm. He, you know, can make plays, uh, not scared to stay in the pocket. Robbie, obviously, is just super athletic, but mm -hmm. wildly inaccurate with his throws. And Holden, you know, we don't know. We don't know what we get yeah. with that. Yeah, and, and I, I do 
believe like there there's something that Holden could bring to the table that might ultimately shock us with him you know, prob yeah it sounds like he's he's at least right now got a shot at getting the starting position now he's still got to beat out the incumbent Robbie Ashford and then also TJ Finley depending on what happens there with him I mean I, if you had to kind of put a percentage on it like you know 100% let's kind of break it out what percentage do you think each would will be starting our first game in September. Um, I think it's I think it's probably seventy percent Robbie. I think, uh, and then I don't know after that to be honest with you. I think seventy percent mm-hmm. is Robbie. Really, the only so uh, if we didn't have the Bama game, I don't know, but I, I can't get that throw out of my head that he did to JJ in the back of the corner. And <laughs> yeah, I'm like, so beautiful. That, that was an NFL throw. That was a Patrick Mahomes throw, and I'm like, can can Hugh tap into that? Um, yeah. you know, I can't get out of my head that he threw for over 300 yards against LSU, you know, yeah. it's the, and, and that if he doesn't fumble a snap, that was a blindside sack, you know, we win that ball game. I, I just, mm-hmm. you know, there's, you know, there was, uh, there, we said it last year, uh, Robbie was the only reason we were in games and he's also the reason we lost them. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> and it, and it's, can they tap into the, here's my problem with Robbie and Robbie, if you're listening, listen, you're way better than I am. Okay. I do think Robbie wears his emotions too much on his sleeves. And I don't, as a quarterback, there's a fine line. I think you have to be cool, calm, and composed. You have to be super competitive, but you got to be composed. And Robbie was thrown into a position he didn't, shouldn't have been in. So I think maturity will change that. But there were times where you could see he was a little frustrated more than he needs to be to get the job done. Yeah. Well, and also you got to take into account, I mean, he was in high school playing baseball and football. There wasn't a whole lot of development that, you know, he wasn't going to all the seven on seven, you know, battles and, you know, places that you, you, you're really developing as a quarterback because he was kind of splitting his time. And, you know, one of the things about Robbie was he, when he came to Auburn, he was devoted to football and figuring out football. And you can see there was a lot of development because even Harson, when Robbie came in, really wasn't even considering Robbie as the quarterback when he first came in. And as time came on, you know, that's where we were at. We needed to use Robbie. And Robbie did decently well. He managed the offense decently well while he had his issues, obviously. But there's plenty of times where I was like, wow, that's that's a glimpse of, you know, potential that – I think Hugh Freeze and his staff can tap into. And and that's what excites me, I think, about Robbie the most. Like, I, my percentage of, like, I'm kind of in that same range. Like, probably in the 70 to 80% with Robbie, and then, like, 10% with TJ, and then, like, 10% with Holden. I I don't know, some somewhere in that range. Because I think Robbie, right now, being the incumbent, and, and, and he seemed to work decently well with the offense. Now it will be a completely new offense, but you know a lot of the same players are still on the team, at least one as thing, far as offensive threats. One thing is for certain, AJ, Zach Calzada will not be quarterback, mm-hmm. and I will not be buying you a coffee. Well, I appreciate that because yeah, <laughs> where yeah. did he getting up going? It was like, uh, oh man, where I wrote this down? <clears throat> something oh, incarnate or what's yeah, that? It, incarnate word. It was yeah, an FCS yeah. school, and I was like, oh my. Gosh, like so. The only reason I even know about that school was they had one of the top JUCO quarterbacks last year, 
um, or not Duke, whatever. He went to he wound up going to Washington State because their coach took that job. I think I can't remember that kid's yeah. name last year, but yeah, he came out of there. That's probably the only reason Zach Calzada knows where the school is. But, wow. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, hope it works out for him. But this is more of a joke about me saying, you know, he he will not be <laughs> since I predicted he was going to be starter last year. Yeah. Um, he will not be starter at Auburn this year. I can confidently say that. Yeah, that's for sure. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. Kind of one more thing that I was thinking about with the quarterback battle, because we only have three right now. In spring, I feel like you could probably view that as a good thing just because that means that's more reps for all three of these guys. If you have a fourth quarterback thrown in there, then you got to split it four ways. Um, and so these, you know, Robbie, TJ, and Holden, all three get a decent amount um, of reps. And, and that's very good for the coaches to see where are they truly at? What could we use them in? You know, we're going to, what kind of offense are we going to be in general? Like I know uh, Philip Montgomery and Hugh Freeze have their own mindset of like what an offense looks like, but it'll change slightly based on the the quarterback's skill set and what they're very good at. So you, you also got to keep this in mind. There were there were options out there. They I mean there were starting options. Oklahoma State kid yeah. apparently wanted to come to us. Um, so we didn't we didn't rush this. So that either Hugh does feel confident with the three he has, or there is. Um, I don't think there's anything wrong going on, but th- people know, right? There there are other quarterbacks at other schools that are be- going to become available, and mm-hmm. Hugh probably at least knows that, and maybe has been told by parents of them that hey, if this happens, we want to look at y'all. Um, yeah. I mean, there's no way Georgia has like four or five star quarterbacks. And some of them have been there several years. They're not going to continue to stay there if they don't get this job. Exactly. Um, now, are we? Are they going to look at Auburn? Is Auburn going to look at them? I don't know. But that's just one example. There's yeah. going to be kids that come available. Yeah, and and I I think that's just the nature of spring ball. Like they're going to figure out. Wow, I thought I put in all this work, and yet I'm still third on the depth chart and probably not moving up. And they're like, well, I'm probably never playing. So why stay here when I essentially get a free transfer anywhere I want. So that's what they end up doing. So I think that's just kind of the, again, that's, that's not just quarterbacks, but that's other positions. So there will be some shifting going on after this spring. Uh, Once kind of the, you know, the different players kind of, you know, shift around and figure out, you know, where they're at in the pecking order. All right, so let's also talk about some other offensive positions. Offensive line in particular has gotten a ton of praise over this first week, which how refreshing is that, Jared, to hear that the offensive line is setting the tone. They're they're making the difference on what happens in a play, in a practice. Like, how cool is that? <laughs> what is an offensive line? I mean, at this point, it seemed like a hodgepodge of people. Like, And this seems like we have a plan. And we know what we're doing offensive line, which is revolutionary, right? 
Yeah, I, I, I saw on as another podcast I was listening to, and they were they had seen practice and just praising just the the size of these guys, the footwork. Um, just said it was a different level. Now here's the deal: everybody gets excited, right? There's always spring heroes. There's always a day game heroes that you never hear about again. But I don't think there's any doubt that there is truth to the fact that our O-line is just on an already absolutely different level than it has yeah. been really the last five years. Yeah. Well, even last year, I was I was kind of hopeful that, you know, these guys would finally develop. They'd finally gel. And it just never seemed to happen. And, and some of that was due to some injuries like Nick Brahms. But, like, I don't know even if Nick Brahms was in there. Like, I mean, I love Nick Brahms, and he – Poured her heart, poured his heart and soul out for this team. I don't know if that would have made it any better. They, uh, they were they were average. They right. were average, and you can't win the SEC with average O line. No, not not yeah. in today's football. Nope. You can sneak up. You can win Iron Bowls at home. You can beat LSU and A and M every now and then. You will not beat Georgia, and you will not win an SEC West title with an average O line. Right. You you and have to have an exceptional freeze. one. Yes, and Hugh Freeze, the quickest hire he made, I could be wrong, but I think it was the O-line coach from Ole Miss. Yeah. And probably his most important hire was that. Well, and and how quickly he picked up guys in the that played offensive line, you know, with recruiting and also transfer portal. He was like, wow, this is a position of need. He went out, he found them, and it's already starting, it sounds like, to start moving in the right direction and a positive aspect of like, wow, this is a new offensive line. And, and, you know, particularly one of the biggest guys that everybody keeps, I I keep hearing so much chatter about him is Avery Jones, which I particularly like that because his initials are AJ. So, you know, that's nice. He's a Uh, center kid, isn't he? Yeah. He'll be playing center. So, so the only like people as well as we did, and we did amazing, (laughs) We got the number one Juco. We would have had the number two. The number two Juco silently committed to us, and then Deion Sanders calls. He takes one <laughs> trip to Colorado, and he goes there. Yeah. And then we had we had a center from Arizona State essentially silently committed, and he gets one more call from the Nebraska coach, and his mom played at Nebraska, or mom is from Nebraska. So, like, two things that were just kind of fluky. You couldn't really get around. So we could have been even better, but I will say this: I think the Arizona State guy was a blessing in disguise because I don't know that we would have gone after Avery Jones. Mm-hmm. And I think Avery is so much better. No offense to that kid, but I think Avery yeah. is just yeah. I think Avery's going to be a difference maker. Yeah, and, and you need that. You need a guy that can understand. And I mean, in a way, he's the assistant to the quarterback. He needs to kind of read what kind of blitzes are coming. You know, tell guys you know what to do, how to line up, like. He's, he's he's in charge of that on the offensive line. And so to have a smart guy like him that's already well-prepared, has good football college experience, like that's great. And, and he's this is last year. He's going to make the most of it. Um, and it sounds like he'll probably be the starting center for Auburn uh, for this next season. All right, let's also talk about running backs um, and a little bit about wide receivers too. Uh, running backs, we got Jarquez Hunter, uh, Damari Alston, uh, we got Batty, and we also got Jeremiah Cobb, who won't be coming until I think May, June, kind of in that, you know, probably over the summer, kind of that time frame, um, after he graduates high school. But we got a pretty good lineup of running backs going forward. 
you got to think Jark West has got uh, probably running back one, not necessarily on lock, but prob- more than likely he, he's going to be uh, our starting running back. Just how capable he is already. Um, he's already developed. He's played enough SEC football to understand what it looks like. Demario Austin is kind of still very limited in what he's done. I mean, last year when he was on our team, he was behind Tank and Jarquez. So, you know, that's that's already tough. But I think Damari's going to be able to step up. And there could be a chance, you know, Damari passes Jarquez, um, just depending on how they do in practice. So what's kind of your thoughts on the running back situation, uh, you know, for this spring practice? Yeah, I think Jarquez is definitely going to be, you know, number one. I mean, there's people got him on, you know, all SEC watch lists. Um, I I think uh, don't know enough about the other guys. I mean, the I think Batie guy, you know, he he led the I don't know what 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 conferences uh, Central Florida and he led them in running. I think um, so. He's pretty good. He's just not real big. Um, I think, uh, you know, Austin does – was I think people forget about him. He was a four-star. We spent a lot of time going after a kid out of LSU that wound up at Miami, so people forget about Damari Austin. But he was a four-star out of out of Georgia. I think uh, Jeremiah Cobb is – I think he's top five or ten running backs out of yeah. this class coming out now that Georgia wanted. And Caddy locked him up so early that luckily we, we didn't have to worry about them. So, mm-hmm. you know – this is a this is a stud kid as well. Um, I don't know his size or whatnot, but <clears throat> I think Jarquez is going to be, you know, I think he's just going to dominate, dude. With a good O line, um, the the plays they're going to be able to design. You know that all right. So Hugh and Phil Montgomery already are you know high powered, put up a lot of points, and then the Ole Miss O line guys probably going to bring some philosophies because they ran so well last year. I mean, they led the SEC. They may have led the country in rushing last year at Ole Miss. So, yeah. And and as much as that kid there that we wanted is good, I think Hunter's better than him. So if we can, you know, get enough designed, uh, improve that well enough, I just – the sky's the limit for Jarquez. I mean, I've been a huge fan of his ever since the uh, – he leaped somebody at the Penn State game <laughs> oh, freshman year. Yeah. So good. So good. And you can just tell, like, he he's been ready for this for a while. And this is his opportunity, and you got to think he's going to seize it. Um, and he's that kid that will, right? I mean, he's the right. like, hard nosed bench press, whatever you want him to do. Like you just don't. I don't think you're going to have a lot of uh, external, you know, noise with him. I think he's come in, put in the work. Tell me what I got to do, coach. I'll do it. Right, and and that's the kind of mentality. If you've got that, coaches are going to love you <clears throat> because guess what? You're teachable, and you can do what they ask you to do. Um, and you know, the coaches have a lot of times, not every coach, but if you're at this level in the SEC, you probably have some pretty good foresight of if you do these things, it will result in wins. It will result, result in first downs. It will result in first downs and touchdowns and all of the good stuff. Right. And you know, Jarquez is one of those guys. He's figured it out. He's learned while he's at the SEC level. Um, so you got to think he does just an, even more of a step forward uh, in the running back room. All right, r- wide receivers. We have got uh, a lot of wide receivers, which is awesome, um, considering, what was it, just like, it feels like last season, like in our off season, we were like, oh, wow, we've got some guys, but like just we couldn't figure out how to use them. And just knowing, you know, what Hugh Freeze does with particularly like the bigger wide receivers, 
I mean, that gets me so pumped. Like, <laughs> I, I was right before this looking up the heights of some of our wide receivers. Uh, Nick Mardner, six foot six, huge guy, getting tons of praise from people. Landon King, six foot five. We've also got a tight end, Rivaldo Fairweather, six foot five as well. And you're just thinking, wow, that that's like in my mind basketball size. And we've got these guys playing wide receiver or tight end. And how many times, you know, did we have you know the tight throw that was just batted down or like the quarterback saw? Yeah, I'm not making that pass. And you know, if you got a big body guy like that with a huge wingspan, you're gonna get a lot more receptions ultimately and and i think that's going to pay off in the end uh, because these these guys are going to be big big guys what's your kind of thoughts on on where our wide receivers are uh for this uh upcoming season yeah i think we got a lot of height i think uh i forget i for always forget about amari kelly i think he's he's not a short kid um i i think we got you know we may have the most talented receiver room from top to bottom we've had you know really in a long time um you know, thanks to it, depending on if you're going to consider, you know, Fairweather to kind of be that, you know, flex kind of like, all right, he's tight end really, but he's also going to line up at receiver, Landon King, Camden Brown, Amari Kelly, uh, Mardner, um, you got Coy Moore, you know, he, yeah. Coy Moore probably led the team, Javarius Johnson. I mean, you know, none of these are like, oh, these guys are all SEC. They don't have that on their resume, but it also have not really had somebody that consistently throws to them. I think they've all shown flashes uh, at other schools or here that where they can really be successful. I mean, the Mardner kid was at Hawaii with Marcus Davis, our new coach, and I think he had over a 1,000 yards at Hawaii. He yeah. went to Cincinnati, not as not as good, but they're not really a wide-open offense. So, you know, it's going to be interesting to see um, how do we use them. I just think with the fast – I think it's going to be – we're not going to be – it's going to be hard to duplicate what Tennessee did last year. Their their quarterback was so good. But it's going to be more that style, right? Up, up pace, get, getting guys open, like designed open. Yeah. Let them do their thing in space. And there's not been a lot of that at Auburn since like 2013, 2014. So, yeah. it's going to be fun to watch. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice – Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. One of the kind of interesting pieces that, you know, some of the players have had some interviews and, you know, what are some of the things that, like, Hugh Freeze and uh, Philip Montgomery are, you know, trying to teach you right now? And one of the things is a fast offense. And I think that excites me so much. Um, you know, just thinking about, uh, like, when I was back in school, Auburn had the phrase, Auburn fast. And it was very true. We, we had some guys that were speedsters. We would have the speed sweep, and when it was working, it was, you're scoring on a 70-yard sweep. Like, that's the kind of you know, fast paced nature that we could do it. And if we can get any resemblance of like a fast offense, especially with these wide receivers who, if they're this big, you know, they can get up to some top speeds pretty quickly. And so, man, the wide receiver room really does excite me with 
their capability, especially like, you know, the last couple of years, you know, we've struggled in the red zone. If we've got, you know, maybe a big package where we've got, you know, a couple guys like Nick Mardner and Landon King and Rivaldo Fairweather, who are all six, five or taller out there, you know, you've got options to throw the, the jump ball. You could have potentially two or three guys that you just kind of throw the ball up and say, go make a play because they're going to be five, six inches taller than a lot of the defensive backs in the SEC. That's the kind of way that you get to the end zone. (laughs) It's not, you know, always making the tricky play, you know, some misdirection, which sometimes that does work. Sometimes it's not in the SEC. Now it's a lot of just man up and win your battle. And with the bigger body, you're going to have a higher chance of winning those battles. Let's talk a little bit about defense here. Uh, Marcus Harris, uh, one of our defensive linemen, uh, he was uh, interviewed. And, and one of the things he was taught, asked about was, you know, what's how's it been with Freeze and his staff and, you know, transitioning? And, uh, you know, he was overall very impressed with it, um, which, you know, that's a very good thing to hear um, just because, pretty much the defensive staff and offensive staffs were completely wiped. Like I mentioned, besides a couple coaches. And so, you know, to, to kind of one of the things that, you know, even he said, and, and this kind of is a bigger picture thing that I think is a big difference between the last coaching staff and this one was, and I, I got this quote, he said, you know, everybody's genuine and you can tell they care about you on and off the field. And I was like, I feel like you don't say that, unless potentially the last coaching staff might not have said that. And so there's a genuine like, hey, I want you to do good in the classroom, but also we're going to succeed on the field as well, and we're going to get there. And I think that belief is something that these players really need to hear. And a lot of these players might not have heard that in the past. And so having that belief in you, I mean, there's so many times, you know, especially with Auburn defensive backs, they're the two, three stars, and yet they have become some of the best defensive backs gone on to the NFL because somebody believed in them and taught them what they needed to do, even if they may not have been exactly the four or five star that everybody loves. And so players like that are going to thrive under Hugh Freeze if that culture of just genuine care towards people is uh, continued on. And you can kind of tell, I mean, if you've ever listened to any of Hugh Freeze's conferences, he is a genuine guy. He's not going to, he's not going to like sugarcoat something. He's going to tell you genuine. He's not just saying something. So, you know, when these players are saying that, that's just confirming, you know, some of the stuff we've seen from a public perspective, but it's happening behind closed doors in the locker room on the practice field. Uh, with all of these players. And that, that to me gets me the most excited uh, because that makes a man a better man when somebody genuinely cares for you and is ha- and has your back. So Jared, any thoughts on, on kind of what you're seeing with the culture and uh, Hugh freeze and what he's doing here? Yeah. I mean, I, I think that number one, Hugh freeze has a past, right? Uh, but Hugh freeze is, when you talk to him, you can't help, but like him, um, I mean, just listening, you you understand that, okay, like there's a past, there is with everybody. Right. But l- listening to him, he he said that he he will win in the in the living room, and I believe he will because when he sits down and talks to the family, 
you feel like it's a genuine approach. Um, you feel like he actually cares. I don't know who Freeze. Maybe he doesn't, but you feel like he does. And I think that, honestly, last year just sucked, okay? It was terrible. Mm-hmm. But the best thing that could have happened was putting Cadillac in charge the last four games. And I think that, I think we're just like, I think we're adding on to that. You know, people make fun of Auburn, but that family atmosphere, right? I think that Caddy dove into these players. Um, I mean, we haven't had a lot transfer, AJ. I mean, there's yeah. you know, there's been there's been a few, yeah. but dude, between the coaching changes, like it's been very few, and I yes. think it's because Caddy and Zach and these coaches have started saying, "Look, look, guys, we care about y'all as people as much as players," and I think that Hugh has brought that over. It's a fine line, right? Because you if you you got to keep that relationship to what it is because you got to be able to tell them hard news, right? Hey, you're not cutting it. You got to get better. Right. But they also need to know that you're telling them that because you care about them. Right. And I don't think that was happening. I mean, there's stories that the head coach wasn't even telling players they're not starting or, you know what I'm saying? It was not starting, but like you're not even on the team anymore. I mean, right. it was just, it was more of a, um, you know, not an open door of a policy, I guess, is the best way to put it. So that's not going to be the case now. And also, you know, not exactly what you were talking about, but, you know, Zach is, you know, Zach's like, we can't keep up with Hugh Freeze in recruiting. He's like recruiting all the time. And we're like, Coach, we got to go watch film. And he's like, okay, I'll take care of it. You know, like, hey, I'll, yeah. I'll make the call to this kid. We haven't had a coach like that. I love yeah. Gus. I love Gus. Um, but even Gus wasn't that guy. Gus was not the closer. Gus was not the guy that's going in there and sealing the deal. He was relying on his assistants. And Kirby is the closer. Saban is the closer. And mm-hmm. I don't know if Hugh can do it, but Hugh views himself as the closer. Right. And that's what you got to have. Yeah. Well, and <laughs> there's a point, you know, especially with Hugh Freeze, you know, with his past and not having really an opportunity in the last however many years since Ole Miss um, to actually go out and get the huge recruits and he's getting that opportunity and you can see it's like he is his eyes are so open to wow there's so much capability with like even at Auburn what we can get and we can go out and get certain guys and and he's like well if I can go help him in any way I'm gonna do it and he's doing so and so there, there's an element of like, wow, like I, I genuinely still believe Auburn's only a few years away from a potential national championship if the cards play out correctly. And so getting the guys this year and next year that come into Auburn's, Auburn's team is going to be really important if you want to build the championship mindset, which can only come when you have a good culture good coaching staff and you got some really good players and if you have those three pieces together you can you can get to that if you have a good season and yes there's a little bit of luck thrown there but like at the same time you got to work hard to get there yeah there, I, I don't I, I, if we went down the list it might be more but i think there's probably solidly 12 teams that can actually feasibly win a championship with the um financial support fan support location to talent there's probably 12 teams in this country that can actually confidently say you know with the right scenario we can win a championship yeah. Auburn's one of those um you know we're, we're probably 12 <laughs> uh 
Uh, we got a, <laughs> we got some work to do to climb that ladder. Uh, probably six or so are in the SEC. You got a few in the Big Ten. You got maybe two in the Pac-12. Um, you know, maybe two in the ACC. But you know, at the end of the day, there's not a lot. But with the fan financial support, the fan support, the location to talent, and now we have a head coach who gets it. Again, I want to go back and say we're going to skip over Harson. I think Gus was fantastic. Love Gus. Gus was a good coach. Gus won us a lot of games. Gus elevated our floor of what we should be as a mm-hmm. team. Gus was not a closer in recruiting. He was that was not his number one priority. No, that is his number one priority. It yeah. is so much his priority that he gave away his baby, which is calling plays, because <laughs> he knows the position we're in right now. I think he'll take it back one day. But he said, "I'm going to give this up." Because I need to eat, sleep, and breathe talking to young players. Yeah. And I I think that change of focus is going to ultimately help us. And, like, I believe, too, at some point he will probably come back to play calling. Because that's that's like Gus. It, it's the way he's kind of made it this high. And, and like, you, you don't just give that up. That would be like, you know, telling a salesman, hey, if you use this tactic, people will you know buy your stuff. And then be like, well, you're not going to do that. We're going to hand it off to somebody else. Have them trained and do it exactly the same way you do. I mean, it's hard. But at the same time, that's a step that he recognizes. Again, his eyes are open to what he needs to do to give this team really a shot at what they've ultimately been probably you know, told about in their recruiting pitches. We can win an SEC championship with you. And none of these guys have truly been given that shot yet. And so this this could be, you know, a year or two away um, if if these players really buy in. And so far they're buying in. If they're not transferring out, they're they're staying here at least so far. And and that's a good sign when you got a new tr- coaching staff. Yeah, and I think it shows that Hugh is not – he's not stubborn. He's not set in his ways. He knows – listen, I, I, you got to give Saban credit, right? Saban has adapted offensive schemes. He's adapted a lot of things, right? Um, I think that Hugh said, listen, um, I came in and saw a problem. We didn't have talent. Yeah. And so I said, I'm going to step back from what I love doing. I'm going to turn over the majority of offensive handling to another guy. Um, because I got to go fix this first. And, you know, he could have easily come in and said, hey, nope, this is what got me here. I'm kind of on top of the mountain now. I love this. I'm going to I'm gonna work on recruiting, but no, I'm, I'm going to keep doing play calling. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we'd have been in a worse spot. Yeah. Um, so I think that he was wise with that. He's not – he's going to be involved. I mean, there's no doubt he's involved. But, you know, the day-to-day operation, nope, that's Philip Montgomery. Right. And I think that's a good philosophy to have because you have to be the CEO. I mean, you even see Saban, he doesn't have his hands in the defense, really. I mean, is he involved? But, like, he's not running a defense. He doesn't have the time to. Um, Especially with NIL world, like, you don't got time to deal with that. You're dealing with so many other problems that have cropped up. So, yeah, that that's kind of the world we live in now, and – I'm glad he recognizes that. Jared, before we get out of here, any other final thoughts before we go? Uh, no, it's just good to see, you know, good to see the team back. Um, I know this is a, a football podcast, but, uh, you know, uh, basketball uh, probably locked down a spot in the tourney, so that's good for Auburn. Baseball's playing well. Let's get football back to what football, what, what we know football can be at Auburn. 
and I think we are headed in the, I think we're headed in the right direction, which is not something we could say for the past few years. Right. Well, you can kind of get that sense from the, the coaches at this point, the ones that have had interviews, the players that have talked, you can tell that it's not just like a, Hey, we're going to say something. It's, we're going to do it as well. And there's a, a sense of like, once you say something and you do it, the players are going to follow you because they can trust you. They see where, where you're going with things. And that seems to be where they're at right now. Uh, and that's that's a big positive because there, there was definitely plenty of times that you know, reports came out after after the last um, regime change. And you know, that there was a lot of things that just weren't happening. You know, guys weren't going to... To, the, to their classes they weren't doing the things that they were supposed to and, and that's that's changed there's been a culture change and these uh, players have you know, taken it with uh, you know, in full stride so yep right. Exci- exciting times AJ exciting times for sure Jared before we get out of here how can the people stay in touch with you you can find me on Facebook under my name Jared Davis and uh, you can find me on Twitter at AJAY JAY underscore It's always great to be an Auburn Tiger and War Eagle. War Eagle. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode on the E2C Network. On your way out, I want to remind you to stop by E2Cnetwork.com. It's your one-stop shop for all our content across our podcast, YouTube channel, and much more. To stay up to date with us, make sure you're following social media accounts such as Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. While our content here may always be Auburn sports heavy, if it's orange and blue, it's what we do. War Eagle.